0: Well, welcome to another new month of broadcast here on The Bottom Line Show and a great conversation. We're going to kick off in just a moment. I'm Roger Barnes. First hour of today's program, I'm going to focus on an issue that is a big one for a lot of parents, especially if you were super involved in your kids' lives when they were growing up and now they're adults and you're wondering what happened. <laughs> Why aren't we as close as we used to be? I want to re- revisit a conversation I had with Dr. Jim Burns about that subject. Uh, Jim had written a book a couple of years ago. Uh, with regard to how to uh, do life with your adult children and it was such a popular uh, book and a popular response we have six copies of the book that we're going to give away this hour and I really want you to get in on the giveaway 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line And uh, you can get in on getting one of these copies of Doing Life with Your Adult Children by Dr. Jim Burns. Let's get into the conversation right now on this special classic edition of the Bottom Line Show today. The number of adults who are trying to deal with as parents with their adult children now is on the rise. And the big question that everyone is asking is, how are we supposed to do this? Because no one ever told us how to raise our children once they became adults because this is such a different season in life. I found an expert for you, and today we're going to have a conversation here. The expert, of course, is Jim Burns, and Jim Burns is the author of a brand new book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut, and the Welcome Mat Out. Jim Burns, welcome to the
1: program. Roger, great to be with you, and great to be talking about a world in which both you and I live in. That's right. We certainly do. When and we you, first started hanging out, we weren't living in this world. Our <laughs> no, kids were younger. No,
0: they were really young. I mean, I remember the, the early Homeward Days, and a lot of the scenes that I was writing for your short features, and you know, we were working together on that. Um, and they were born of our experiences. Your girls were a couple years ahead of my kids, and my son was really younger. But now uh, we both have like one in the thirties, two in the twenties. Okay. Your kids are all in their thirties, and your grandpa twice, and I'm a grandpa once. And yeah. so, and we look at this, and these are all very real, pertinent problems
1: that Christians are facing. Well, yeah, I remember when Kathy, as our kids started getting older, she goes, "You know, I thought it was going to be a little simpler." Yeah. And and mm-hmm. it's not. And I keep meeting people who are saying, "Wait, my kids are violating their values that we grew up." Helping them have. Um, They're straying from faith. They're struggling with certain issues. They don't agree with us. Uh, They're much more tolerant on certain Mm -hmm. issues. And so I'm finding a a real important listening audience saying, Help, we need help in terms of this phase of life. Because, like you said at the very beginning of the broadcast, we've never done it this way before. But you know what? I don't think parents have done it yet this way. No,
0: It's a new world. It's a brand new world. Jim Burns is in studio with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We've got a link for his brand new book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Doing Life with Your Adult Children is the name of the book. Jim, let's take a look at this from how you came up with the statistics because, I mean, a lot of it's anecdotal. You talk to people. They're all having a problem. You decided, okay, we're going to set up some focus groups. We're going to have
1: some dialogue conversation. How did you begin to get your arms around this problem? Well, first of all, Roger, somebody asked me to speak in Honolulu on this subject, and I said to them, my, "Twist your my arm friends. To go to Honolulu, You've been there the with right, me yeah, once mm-hmm. at a conference, about yeah. 4,500 people. And uh, I said no. But don't put me in the slot because Kathy and I desperately need whoever you get. And I want <laughs> right. to sit there with, you know, uh-huh. write, take notes. Yeah. I think our kids were in college at the time. And uh, they called back and said, no, we think it's you. So I actually gave a talk. And when I started talking about, well, really, back to what I was saying, you know, straying from faith, you know, violating value, harder, they boomerang back in, it's, they're costing us money. They groaned. Mm. Now, people have groaned, I'm sure, at my talks, at least <laughs> silently. Yeah. But they groaned audibly because they were so tied into it, it they didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. So over a period of years, I started you know just kind of messing with that. And then we started doing focus groups. And these focus groups, we'd be parents who had adult children in. And of the seven that I can remember, six of them, the people cried in it. Now, focus group wasn't mm-hmm. me teaching. It was mm-hmm. me asking questions asking about, questions. are you enabling your kids or are you helping your kids? Are you enabling dependency on yourself or are you... L- launching them. How do you deal with the money? How do you deal with broken values and things like that? And what we found out was, wow, we are hitting something huge. Now that the book is out, it's only been out a very short time, what we're seeing on a daily basis is people are saying, wow, A, they say thank you, which they don't get that with every book, and you Mm -hmm. know I've written some books. But B, um, they're saying, help us us deal with our our kid who's still living at home, 29 years old. He got this today. Still living at home, 29 years old. He's playing video games. And we're paying for everything. And I had to say to them, you know, he has a good life. Mm -hmm. My son has a problem. No, actually, you have a problem. And you're going to have to help that kid launch. And I I hear that too often now.
0: One of the things I appreciate about this brand new book, Jim, is the fact that you are taking the approach of saying, look, a lot of parents are saying, how can I help my kid? And they're focusing exclusively on the
1: kid. Mm -hmm. You're saying, look, you want to help your kid. Let's focus on you. Yeah, Mom, well, part Dad, of it, yeah. you know, I mean, the part of that is is really true. In fact, I said to somebody last week, you know, as a parent of an adult, you've got to get as emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, and even physically healthy, mm-hmm. because you're in for a ride. If the bottom line is to help them become responsible adults, and if they're kind of fighting that, especially because kids, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but because adult kids, that's kind of an oxymoron. You know, I, my kids used to go, "I'm I, I'm an adult, Dad," and I'm mm-hmm. going, "Yeah, but you're 18, and I'm I'm paying for everything, and I know you're in college, but." you know there's there's still a cell phone bill and all this so it's kind of that oxymoron but the but the point being is that they are meandering toward responsibility mm-hmm. where that wasn't the case in my generation right, right. i don't mean this is like those were the good old days but you know Kathy and i went to college we got married right out of college and we became adults we had responsibilities sure. and you were in your early 20s exactly happen. so that's not the experience that kids today are having so it's not the experience that the adults of these kids are having mm-hmm. so there's and you know you you now add a blended fang, family single issues uh, you don't like the in-law or you don't like the boyfriend or the girlfriend or you know today so many of them it's what I call the cringe factor so many of them of these kids are moving to cohabitation where that mm-hmm. wasn't the case right. in a previous generation did they cohabitate sure but not to this level and so you know it's really compounding the issues that parents of adult children are having today dr jim burns president of homeward is with me today here on the bottom line
0: i'm roger marsh the brand new book is called doing life with your adult children keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out we have a link for that book up at the bottom line show.com jim you just said something interesting that i want to circle back around on in terms of uh the the kids and the parents and the dilemma especially as they are now you know older and we're still referring to 29 year olds as kids and things Mm -hmm. of that nature How many parents have you spoken with or did your research indicate that there's an issue with regard to the parent having to say, wait a minute, but I brought them up in church, but yeah. they went to Christian school.
1: In other words, we did everything right and they're still acting like right, this. Right. Well, we were surprised at the amount. In fact, I would say it's almost a majority for mm-hmm. something. I mean, yeah. again, everybody doesn't have a bad story. Yeah. And I actually wanna affirm people who are saying, you know what, it wasn't perfect and we have some bruises, but you know, our kids are responsible adults mm-hmm. now. We, they have launched, great. Yeah. But I would say the majority are saying, didn't see it going that way. Mm-hmm, right? And because that's the case, I think they have a silent shame factor because they did do it right. This is a generation of parents who are doing right sure. stuff. They were doing the <laughs> kind of things that back in our day when you and I were doing, you know, the Homeward broadcast over and over again, this was good content. These people were living it out. Mm-hmm. They were doing everything they could to energize their kids' spiritual life. They were doing the right things. They were now beginning to talk to their kids about, you know, God-honoring sexuality and all sure. this. And then, boy, it just didn't. Totally turn out that way. So, the thing I say to parents all the time, you've heard me say this before, but I say really good parents have kids who make poor choices. And we're still a matter, it's still a matter of kids making choices on their own that sometimes they've got to learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was speaking with a woman just again a couple of months ago, and we were talking about this kid who just went off the deep end and now kind of coming back. But I said, well, you know what? She's going to have a testimony. And unfortunately, There are some great people out there who have had to learn the hard way. Uh, I'm in a small group. I meet every Tuesday with them. And those guys, they have some stories. They're the most incredible Christian leaders I know. And yet they all in college kind of had some bumps and bruises along the way. Mm -hmm. In some ways, it's made them who they are. I'm sure their parents were going crazy during that time. But, you know, it's not just because they made some experimental decisions that are bad that, you know, life is— at an end. But, you know, you got to realize you're in it for the marathon, not for just the sprint. Right, right. That's great counsel from Dr. Jim Burns
0: as we have this conversation about the new book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children. Um, one of the chapters early on, uh, you talk about the, those two words that were made famous, you're fired. <laughs> That's right. Um, a lot of parents don't want to hear that, but there does come a point if a yeah. child's going to launch into adulthood, right, where they're basically saying, you're fired as my provider, enabler, whatever it is.
1: Talk about why it's important for parents to realize that. Well, that's a hard one because, you know, you invest two decades of your life at least into your kids day-to-day thinking you're partly in control. You know, we we probably are in less control than we think we are, but, you know, we're kind of in control even for the ones who have younger ones. But all of a sudden, my, you're fired means you have to reinvent the relationship because you truly have a parent-child relationship. And what you've got to move to is more of an adult-adult relationship, and that's not easy. That's not easy for the kid. It's not easy for the parent. So there is this reinvention. You've got to give them the passport mm-hmm. to adulthood and doing that. That means that your old style of parenting – means that you're fired. Now, you know, my dad at 89 years old was still calling me Jimmy and I was his son and I called (laughs) him dad. And he was my dad, of Uh course. But the relationship does change. And what I'm just trying to say to parents in that first opening section is it it does change. So take notice. Uh, Don't do the same things you were doing because, again, kids have to be really, if they're going to be adults, they have to be um, treated like adults by their parents. And so a lot of parents will say, but my kids aren't acting like adults. Okay, well, then you're, they're going to have some consequences. And you're going to have to give them some of those kind of consequences, not like you did when they were 10. But it may be consequences about financial. Maybe you were paying for everything, and now you're going to have to remove some of that. Even if you could afford it, it's not a smart thing to pay for everything for your kids. Right. That's great counsel from
0: Dr. Jim Burns today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The book is called Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and The Welcome Mat Out. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we'll start talking about uh, what happens when uh, your child doesn't to be maturing at adulthood and all of a sudden he's 29 and playing video games and you're mm-hmm. thinking, how do I kick this kid out? Well, more of that conversation with Dr. Jim Burns in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Dr. Jim Burns is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Brand new book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jim, how, the subtitle is just kind of makes me smile. <laughs> well, right? It kind of summarizes the book, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. But, but how hard is it for parents to get their arms around this? I mean, first of all, why is it important to do those two things? And secondly, how hard
1: is it? Well, if I stick out my tongue, will you see the scar on my tongue? Because oh. I'm a fixer. Mm-hmm. I want to give advice sure. all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the keep your mouth shut means that there's times when even if you have the right input, you've just got to pretty much, you know, keep your mouth shut. But at the same time, you've got to keep the welcome mat out. You know, I oftentimes say to people that when they say to me, you know, my my kid is struggling with it could be gender identity to drugs and alcohol to walking away from faith, whatever. And and I'll oftentimes say, do do they know what you believe? Yes. Do, do you know? Do they know how you feel? Mm-hmm. Well, then don't be a one topic parent. Go out and have a. You know, keep the welcome mat out, love on them, because if they crash, and most likely they will with some Mm -hmm. of their poor behavior, not that every adult child makes poor behaviors, but a lot of them do, uh, they'll come back to you if you have the welcome mat out. Mm -hmm. But you can still have the welcome mat out. You can still keep your mouth shut, and you can still act like, you know, their adult parent, if you would. And so that, that's an important phrase for me, keep your mouth shut to welcome that out. And it's not easy. You know, we talk about in the book, we talk about unsolicited advice is taken as criticism. Mm-hmm. And parents will kind of shake their heads when I say that when I'm speaking because they kind of go, wow, that is so true when I give my kids advice. But yet you're still their parent. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the, the 45-year-old woman who was in the Silicon Valley, and she's a vice president of a major tech firm. We'd all know the name and she said she was over at her mom's house and her mom said honey it's cold outside put on a coat before you walk out <laughs> and she goes mom I will I can decide if I put on a coat or uh-huh, not and uh-huh. what she was thinking is I'm 45 years old I've made millions of dollars yeah. I think I'm pretty capable and she goes mom I, I can do that w- why are you even telling me to do it and she said because I'm your mother now go mm-hmm. put the coat on mm-hmm. later I said to the woman hey by the way did you did you put your coat on and she goes of course it was my mom <laughs>
2: yeah, and she yeah. goes I so
1: badly didn't want to do it uh-huh. but you know that's the nature of a parent to take care of their child no matter what the age how do you
0: well you write about the difference between really helping and actually enabling a child can you help us
1: understand a good example of what that looks like well one of the questions you have to ask is in enabling am i enabling dependency on me
2: so mm-hmm. if you're helping somebody, mm-hmm.
1: it's very – I mean, we, we're we helping our adult children right now. They're moving back in a few weeks right. from Texas to California. Kathy and I are going out there. I'm actually on the way back from a speaking trip in Guatemala, but we're going to help – well, we'll probably watch the kids and they'll do more of the packing. But, you know, we're going to – we're helping them do that. They're coming back and living with us for a couple of months as they get – they get settled. Settled. That's helping. However – enabling dependency if i'm enabling then that means that we're giving them all the money we're making it the easiest thing we're saying come and live at our house for as long as you want and we'll pay all the bills we'll and, pay you know, for everything you got and and while you you know do something else or it's yeah. like the kid who's who's doing the video games yeah wait you he has your credit card mm-hmm. and you're frustrated because he doesn't have a job but he he's he goes out with his friends really late then he comes home when he gets up, he plays these video games, and then that's 1 o'clock, and then in the afternoon, wait, you just told me that you cook a dinner for him different than what you cook for other members of your family? What are you thinking? That's that's, that's an enabling, point. and that's to an, a greater extent. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, Roger, we do that with money. We do that with time. We do that with um, the way we allow them to, even if they're living in our home, the way we allow them to, to live in our home against our morals and values. Now, mm-hmm. again, you can't do much when they're adults if they're outside of the home. But if they're living within the home, I'm not saying that's a wise idea. Like for us, it would be an absolute no-no for our kids to – thank God they didn't – but for, to have brought the – we had all daughters. We have all daughters. But to have brought boys into the room to sleep with them, mm-hmm. that that doesn't happen in our home. Again, we couldn't legislate what they were doing outside. Fortunately, our kids are making some de- good decisions. But I, I see parents who do that. Well, that's – Enabling some of those kinds of behaviors, mm-hmm. um, make it harder for them. When our kids got to a certain age, we said this is not the Burns Hotel any longer. Here's your responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. My friend David Peck, who you know mm-hmm. so well yes. from Azusa Pacific, um, he gave his son when he moved back into the house a bucket with a scrub brush and said, "You're now in charge of the upstairs bathroom, and that bathroom needs to be clean once a week if you want to live here. If you uh-huh. don't want to live here, that's fine. Uh-huh. Um, you know, hand us back the bucket, and you know, you're on your own." Sure. Well, guess what? The kid cleaned the toilet. He'd never done that before, but he learned how to do it. Good good parenting move on uh, David and his wife, Drina. Dr. Jim Burns is my guest in studio today here on The Bottom
0: Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're discussing his extremely popular book. And I, and I realize every time you write a book, you want to help parents, you want to help families, you want to help people. But I'm sure there's a part of you as an author that says, wow, I'm glad this book is selling so well. But at the same time with this topic, you're saying, gosh, it's really a drag this book is selling this well because yeah. so many people have life with issues with their adult children. Yeah. And keeping your mouth shut and keeping the welcome mat out is so hard when you've put so much into those
1: lives. Well, you know what? A lot of parents will read books when their kids are little. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you quit. You know, after and you a figure while. they're 20. I can't do anything no, else. No, exactly. But I think one of the reasons this book, and we were talking about this before the broadcast, that the book has gone crazy. And I think one of the reasons is because parents are like, wow, we didn't see this coming. We don't understand it. So they're looking for content. When I started looking for content to do that seminar that we talked about mm-hmm. at the beginning of the broadcast, and I didn't, I'd i never read a book on this subject. By the way, it was really good for me to read other books. Mm-hmm. Well, there were there were three books that I could find. Uh, I went online, and there wasn't much stuff either. Today, more and more there is because it's the uh, experience of parents who are helicopter parents, or now they're calling snowplow parents, yes. and you know, going on and on. So we're feeling the, those vibrations. But when I first started, there were no books out there. And in fact, to be honest, a lot of the good material was actually done in the secular world, not in the Christian world, because I think they were a little bit ahead of us on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we Christians had not gotten to the point to talk about it. So I think as parents— this is another shot at us to go, wait, we're in a different time period in our life. We've got to revamp how we're doing this or, because it's not working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the same time, a lot of these parents are you know struggling with their own sandwich generation of their own parents being ill or they're dealing with other issues within their life. And, and so, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting time. Even mm-hmm. when your kids – for us, when our kids moved out of the house, finally, because all of our kids boomeranged back, mm-hmm. you know, we were empty nesters looking at each other going, wait, we've put a lot of energy into our kids what are we going to do tonight? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You
0: realize that. Uh, w- Talk about the cultural side of this, because you mentioned the fact that a lot of the books that you did research from Mm -hmm. were books that weren't necessarily geared for the church, per se, but looking at the culture. Society's changed
1: a lot. Society has changed. And I actually did a chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters. You know, I like culture. Mm -hmm. But it's one of my favorite chapters to help parents understand their kids, the millennials. And even Gen Z is coming along pretty Mm -hmm. quick. For example, Gen Z, I just wrote something on it yesterday, not for the book, but just wrote it, that, you know, double the amount of atheists. Gen Z kids, so these are younger kids, 18 and under, say, Mm -hmm. than even the millennials. So, you know, you're beginning to see some complicated faith issues and whatnot. So one of the things that I try to do is help them understand that they have distinctives. And the distinctives of the generation of their children, not necessarily theirs, is that, one, they're shaped by technology. Mm -hmm. That didn't mean we didn't have technology, but today that's how they work. That's how they uh, order their food. Mm -hmm. That's um, how they connect with each other. My daughter Heidi, uh, she was living in New York. She's now in LA, but she goes, "Oh, I'm in touch with all my New York friends every day." And I go, "So are you're calling?" Yeah. She goes, "Well, Dad, I'm texting, <laughs> yeah. you know." Uh, and so with I'm her, Snapchatting exactly. Yeah. So she's in touch with them, social media wise and whatnot. So so you know, technology rules the world. It'll never change, but we forget that. And so I was talking to a grandparent the other day who said, "I just got to figure out how to you know do FaceTime because I want to stay in touch with my grandkids." Yes. And I went. That's easy. I, I'm 65 years old. I actually showed them. You'd be proud of me, Roger. I, will. I showed them how to get on FaceTime because I go, th- this changes my life. I talk to my grandkids who are now in Texas, coming back to California mm-hmm. here. But I, I'm in touch with them most days because of FaceTime. Right. And in their mind, because they're younger, it's just a natural. But you know what? My daughter and her husband, they use that all the time. Mm-hmm. So they're shaped by technology. Secondly, they meander. I used that term before, mm-hmm. but they're meandering toward marriage and they're re- meandering toward responsibility. We were more or less forced to do that, yeah. but because we as parents sometimes give our kids more than our parents gave us in terms of finances, housing, all these other experiences. we were. It was just assumed we were out on our own. Mm-hmm. But today, because we do so much of that, they tend to meander. Now, the meandering can be good because I don't think it was always healthy for people to get married right out of high school. I right. mean, I really right. don't. But now they're meandering toward marriage, and sometimes they're carrying a lot of baggage into that because of whatever those meandering experiences are. Hmm. Maybe they were cohabitating first and then they came back right. or whatever. You see a lot of kids leaving the church. Well, some of those people as young adults are beginning to come back to the church once they get married, once they have kids. That's good news. But in this meand, it is the nature. And and a lot of parents are like, what in the world is this person doing? You know, I mm-hmm. need to go to Europe to find myself. Yeah. Well, yeah. why? I can give you all the answers myself <laughs> right now. But, you know, it's that generation. Uh-huh. The other aspect of the distinctive, which I think is fascinating, is that they view tolerance as a form of loving. And I, mm-hmm. and I have always thought about you when I've said these phrases, because as I started looking at this generation, what's the difference? Parents at the Christmas... Uh, uh, dinner table, or at the Thanksgiving dinner table, always had opinions about politics. They had uh-huh. opinions about gender identity. They had opinions about drug and alcohol. They had opinions about pornography. They had opinions about lot. Well, now their kids are much more tolerant, even though they were raised in the church, and so they maybe have a biblical worldview. But in their biblical worldview, it's sometimes different than our biblical worldview. Right. Right. So, we might say a, a comment that's very scriptural. But in their mind, they're no, Jesus would have been much more of a lover of those kinds of people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, what does the Bible say about this or whatever? So the point being is that a lot of arguments now happening at the Thanksgiving table and the Christmas table because of viewing tolerance as a form of loving. Now, I think we as Christians must be tolerant. At the same time, we have to somehow as parents be in the messy middle. How do we embrace a biblical theology yes. and at the same time embrace people who have a different opinion than us? And we may be in shock that those people who have a different opinion are our own kids. Yes. Oh, well, that's powerful insight from Dr. Jim Burns
0: today here on the broadcast. Doing Life with Your Adult Children is the name of the book. Uh, keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. We've got a link for that book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. Great conversation today here on the broadcast as we continue we're going to talk a little bit more about what happens when your grown child violates your values and uh, what about entitlements in children especially Mm. adult kids
2: too it's coming up next as the bottom line continues don't believe your insurance company is looking out for you they're not they want you to call them after you're in an accident, but you shouldn't handle that alone. That's where Stephanie Cover of Cover Law shines. With 20 years of insurance industry experience, she knows all the angles and will fight for your rights. Insurance companies pretend to be your partner, but in reality, their primary goal is to pay you as little as possible. When you work with Cover Law, Stephanie becomes your negotiator, and the insurance companies must talk to her, not you. You need to rest and heal. Stephanie is different from other attorneys. She's fully invested in your legal, medical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs. After an accident, you don't want to deal with insurance adjusters who want to minimize your payout. So don't wait. Contact Cape Bright's personal injury attorney today at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. You won't pay a dime to talk to someone who truly cares about your healing. Dr. Jim Burns is my
0: in-studio guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Doing life with your adult children, keep the welcome. Uh, keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. See, I, I would I would think that doing it the opposite way would be better, but I realize that you got to keep your mouth shut first because they won't pay attention to the welcome mat <laughs> if you're talking
1: to it saying, look, it's out here, but I'm going to tell you, give you peace of my mind. Do you know that I have the same problem? I, I've written the book. I mm-hmm. created the subtitle, and yet— I, you know, I go back and forth. I think it's kind of interchangeable, but you're right. We do. I would say the harder thing for most people, welcome Matt, is, is easier. Yeah. It's the keeping your mouth shut, especially yeah. when you have the right answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so many times I, I realize I do have the right answer, mm-hmm. and they aren't really ready yet. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the that movie, Field of Dreams. I love the movie. Oh, yeah. If you build it, they will come. I we was talking about baseball. But if you if you keep your mouth shut, they will come back to you. I'm mm-hmm. sure this is the case with your kids, and mm-hmm. it is with mine. Yes. I've become more of a mentor to them. Mm-hmm. But it's on their terms, not on my terms. Sure. Let's see. Well, it's kind of come full circle. When you think about it,
0: there there was a time in American life, especially in the church, where father did know best. Right. You know, I'm not. Just right. Robert Young, Father did know best. And then we had, you know young people becoming empowered, and now they've been raised to think they're the center of the universe. And so they really do come from a position of I'll prove you wrong. But as you are writing about this in this new book, there is you've got to have space for both. Keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat open. keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. Gives you the opportunity to say when they do come back around. Right. Maybe you don't know all the technological advances they're dealing with, but if you've got
1: biblical wisdom, you do have a lot of uh, information for them. Well, to get. you do. And just because you keep the welcome mat out doesn't mean that you give them everything. I mean, I love love the story of the prodigal son, although I, I'm calling it more and more the loving father. Mm-hmm. So the son goes away, spends the inheritance, uh, ends up in a pig farm, which you know has the ironic part of you know being <laughs> Jewish and in a pig, pig farm. farm yeah. But what does the father do? The father welcomes him back. But I don't see in that scripture, and again, you can read into scripture because it doesn't say it, but I don't see him probably giving him all the inheritance money back again and all the other things. There's consequences to our actions. That's good parenting. Mm -hmm. Allow the consequences to go through, but you can still keep the welcome mat out. I'm so sorry that, you know, you broke your cell phone. Uh, Well, you know, I hope I hope you can, you know, quickly get a job or I hope you can quickly make some money so you can have that cell phone. Have you priced new ones? You know, that's that that kind of question. Right. No, right. Right. Exactly. And again, that's frankly good for adult children. (laughs) But it's also good for, you know, an 11 year old who gets their first cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good advice from Dr. Jim
0: Burns. Uh, We'll take a quick break here and then come back with more of this conversation about how to do life with your adult children, more and more adult parents in their 50s and 60s are realizing, hey, it's not like it was when we were growing up. You hit 21, 22, finish college, get married, get a job, and move on. The lines are a lot blurrier now, and we're talking about how to uh, see clearly through the blurring of the lines when it comes to raising adult children. More of this conversation with Dr. Jim Burns in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Dr. Jim Burns is my in-studio guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. I always enjoy these opportunities, Jim, that you and I get a chance to uh, have conversation, and especially about a book that I've been rooting for you to write for Mm -hmm. the longest time, and I'm glad you finally did. And obviously, most of America is glad you did too because it's soaring up the sales charts. The brand new book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children, uh, Keep Your Mouth Shut, and The Welcome Mat Out. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You mentioned something earlier, Jim, that I wanted to kind of circle back around on, and that is regarding to values and rules and things like that. I was talking to a pastor's wife, uh, someone you and I both know, uh, several months ago. And she was really just shaking her head because her son is working full-time, lives at home, and yet the question was, how do we enforce the rules? Because he's a nice kid, he's a good kid, but he wants to bring his friends over. They want to stay up late watching TV or playing cards or whatever they do. And when he was a kid, it was easy. He just said 10.30, 11 o'clock, everyone goes home. Now, he's an adult, and he kind of looks at me funny like, well, wait, I'm not hurting anybody, and you know, what are we doing? Talk, talk about the
1: values and rules part. I mean, yeah, that, that right. seems to be one that the parents don't really want to talk right. about. Right, and we do have to negotiate some of it because they are older. I remember when our daughter Becca came back from college, I was still expecting her to you know, be home at 10 o'clock, and that wasn't, she was just getting started at 10 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> and so we actually had to say, Becca, here's our deal. As long as you live at our house, uh, we're not going to enforce Exactly what time you come home, but you need to text us because we're tired and we're staying up because we're worrying about you, and so I, you know, I think there are some of those kinds of conversations where you ne- we negotiated. Actually, we allowed her to to live a life that a young adult would live mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, Roger, you honestly sit down, never in the heat of the motion, and you, you develop some of those kind of boundaries. You say, hey, you know what? Here at our house, we're so glad you're here for this time period. But in there, you de- you negotiate some of the boundaries ahead of time. Yeah. We want you to have people over. But here's the deal. This is a home where we're getting up in the morning and we're going to go to work. And so what we're going to ask is that you know at this hour – uh, you and your friends either find someplace else to go, find something else to do, but we're kind of closing down shop. We had to do that. We have a backyard that's a cool backyard and has it a pool and a spa and all that. And our kids, when they came back as young adults, their friends, in their mind, it would be fine to be out there late. And we said, sorry, it's 10 o'clock. And we weren't doing that for us. We didn't care. It was Our neighbors. Our neighbors. So we had to take that stand, and I know I got some eye rolls. I didn't get for my kids. Well, you're the, you're really thinking about everybody else. What servants you are, and what yeah. <laughs> a witness you are to the neighborhood. They're like seriously, guys. Yeah. Uh, but we said that's that's our rule. Uh-huh. So that's that's how it goes. Then I think you have to enforce those rules. So whatever they are, I don't think you have multiple huge amount of rules, but I think you have some some rules, and I actually talk about this in the book specifically. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time. So that we don't have them just living in the house forever, I think we actually have to have an exit strategy. And again, good illustration is my daughter, Becca. The exit strategy is she called, she was, she was, had a roommate. The girlfriend moved. And uh, so she said, hey, can I move in for like two months? And we went, oh, that would be a joy. And we did. It was wonderful. We did say it's not the Burns Hotel. Here's some, some yeah. things. But she abided by all that in a great way. Then she decides to go to grad school. So now we're looking at ourselves going, well, we're helping her. And she goes, hey, I'm, I'm, I want to go to grad school. I really don't have the amount of money to pay for, you know, room mm-hmm. and board. Sure. What do you? How do you want to work this? And so we actually cut a deal with her that was really good for her, really good for us. And mm-hmm. that was as long as you're in grad school and as long as you're, you know, keeping those grades up and all that, not that we were necessarily even checking. Mm-hmm. We found out later she got straight A's. But fine. You know, this is great. So we actually got her for two years then. Mm-hmm. That was marvelous it well, was wonderful especially
0: because you sat down and said, okay, let's yes. negotiate this right. It didn't just kind of happen and there's brooding resentment
2: No, no.
1: no and you hear that all the yeah. time you hear where pa- and some parents need to have the leadership to make those kinds of discuss decisions. Yeah. Once Becca was out of college or university you know getting her master's, then we had to say, okay, what's your, what's your plans now? And then right. we renegotiate. And I don't think you use the word negotiate mm-hmm. to your kids but, or the word contract, but that's what you're doing. Now you re- renegotiate and you kind of set up a contract. Here's what our expectations are and, and how can we help you? All for the purpose of doing that. We're doing that with our, with our kids coming back. We're charging them $500 a month to be at our house as a rent. Now, we also said that $500 is going to go in a bank account. And then when you guys get out, it's going to help them get a house. That's Mm -hmm. why they are staying at our house. Then we're going to give you that money back. But we honestly want that money on the first. Now, we don't want, we don't need the money. Mm -hmm. To be honest, it's not going to change our life that much. $500 would be great if you want to give me it. (laughs) But the point being is we're trying to help them still become responsible. They Mm -hmm. need to get in the habit of writing Writing that check. check.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I remember talking to a counseling friend of mine uh, one time who made that comment uh, with regard to uh, what placing value on things. And he said, "I don't care if they're insurance for the couple that's coming in for marital counseling. I don't care how much it costs. I always have a twenty dollars fee." If they don't have a copay, I make it up. And I said, why do you do that? Do you need the money? He goes, no. He goes, but it has to be worth something to them. And I want them to come in and say, here's the check or swipe the card or whatever it is. And I think what what you're doing here, Jim, is giving a lot of parents permission to say, oh, I can do that
1: with my kids. Oh, you're, you're, you're so right. So my daughter, Heidi... You know her; she's a character, yes, and I she's do. wonderful, and she is an incredible person. I mean, she works in the business world, and her husband is amazing, and they were living in New York. And one of their best friends, who lives in New York, but I didn't even know her from before, made Forbes top thirty. Of 30-year-olds. Wow. So it's pretty impressive. Yes, yeah, sure. However, I said to Heidi, because I knew the story, I, I, Heidi would go to like a great sushi dinner and, and when she didn't have money. And I'd go, Heidi, how are you affording this? she goes, and I'm going to make up this name, but she says, Rebecca's parents give her a credit card. And so it's always on Rebecca's parents. And I said, well, how does she pay for this great lifestyle? It's her parents. Now, her parents have money. They live in another state. And Rebecca's living the high life in, in New York. Now, she made Forbes... Top thirty of thirty, but the truth is, is that her parents are still it's being supplemented. Oh my god! So I said to Heidi, I said she was asking me about the book one time, and uh, I said, well, here's what I'm telling people. I'm saying, you know, you kind of can't do the whatever your friend's name is. Mm-hmm. Her parents probably are are enabling her and not helping her. And she goes, Dad, you're going to ruin a lot of you know <laughs> young adults' lives uh-huh. by doing that by because the truth. parents yeah. are doing that. Yeah. And what's fascinating, Roger, 70, like talk about finances, and there is a chapter on what I call the money pit. But 75% of uh, of adult kids have their parents at one time or another helping them financially. I don't even see that as a problem. Mm-hmm. What I see as the problem is when they're enabling them so much that they're not becoming responsible with their finances. Because really one of the goals is to become financially responsible. Right. So as parents – that's where you don't want to just hand them the credit card, where you just don't want to keep paying those things, even if it's a little bit. I love the illustration of the counselor who charges $20. Well, you know what? I bet you if there was somebody who was destitute, that counselor would give them $20. You mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you just That's how we do life. I, mm-hmm. I get that. But there is, a, there is a, uh, a theme to that with our adult children that they've got to learn to become responsible. They're not going to learn to be, become responsible when we're taking care of them. It's like the old movie. I mean, again, I love movies and I know you do too. I mean, and you know, some people have like these intellectual movies, the movie failure to launch Mm -hmm. another generation, hilarious movie, not a Christian movie, Mm -hmm. wouldn't recommend it for everybody. But the truth is, is, you know, one of the great lines in it was his dad goes, he's 33 years old. What we've got here is a You know, failure to launch. And the the son, his name was Trip, says, You know what? I've lived in this bedroom since I was six and it's been wonderful. I don't see myself needing to leave. Mm. Well, he's 33 years old. He he does need to
0: leave. Yeah. We have to be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. talking with Dr. Jim Burns today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. We've got a link for that book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we're going to talk about in-laws. We'll talk about blending stepfamilies. And we'll even talk about grandkids, too, because I know you're the fun grandpa. And I'm the one who's with a couple other grandparents saying, hey, I'm fighting, taking a number, just trying to get my time with my kid. So we will going talk about that in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Always a great conversation with Dr. Jim Burns on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, we're talking about Jim's brand-new book called, I want to say, Failure to Launch. So uh, ca- that, 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 that'll get someone's attention, but the book is called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. And we haven't really gotten into the whole – I mean, part of it is for the kids who do have a failure to launch, and we have a hard time telling our 30-year-old you're not going to be on the phone plan anymore or whatever it is. But then there's also, well, what about the ones who do get married and they – You know, Now there's in-laws to deal with, or maybe there's a divorce, and you're remarried, and the other one's remarried, and you've got to deal with the whole
1: blended family, too. That creates a whole set of problems in and of itself. It sure does. And I would say that a lot of the people who are listening to me speak these days are coming to me saying that I don't really like the person my— uh, son is dating. I don't like who my daughter married. Uh, my daughter got a divorce, and now they're moving back. They're they're living back home. Mm-hmm. I can't get to my grandkids because the daughter in law is blocking that, mm-hmm. and because everything's on her side. Exactly, and that, that seems and, and to her you know, again. and and it's it's not easy, and 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 yet we can be parents. And then even grandparents on some that can criticize and be negative about how they're parenting or how they're living their life or how they're mm-hmm. doing their life. But one of the things I say is, you know, keep your mouth shut and mm-hmm. and actually be positive, be a cheerleader, be the, the the favorite, whatever. Yeah. I was talking to a a woman who I love very much. I just love this woman, and she does great stuff. And uh, she was having trouble because she has a son, and the daughter-in-law was pretty much not allowing her to be in touch much with her son and kind of blocking the grandkid. And then later it was working. And I said, well, what'd you do? She goes, you know what? I did it with a Starbucks card. Mm. She said, I realized that my daughter-in-law was, if I had, well, let me say it this way. I want access to my son and I want access to my grandson. Now they have a couple more. And I wasn't getting it because the daughter-in-law was straight arming me a little bit. And so I realized I need to put energy into a daughter-in-law who probably I wouldn't say is my favorite. She wouldn't have been who I had chosen, you know, right. and I hear okay. a lot of people say that. So she bought a Starbucks card one day, $25, knocked on the door and said, hey, I was just in an area and I was thinking about you and I, I got you a little gift. And she goes, well, thank you. She didn't invite her in. The gr- mm-hmm. She can see her grandson. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ouch. So the next week she went, I'm going to do that again. So she did it again. She was invited in. Over a period of time, she goes, you know what? Do you want to? The baby's doing really good right now. Do you want to go to Starbucks? And so she developed this relationship with her daughter-in-law, and guess what happened? She Mm -hmm. got access to her Mm -hmm. son. She got access to the um, grandchild. Now there's three of them. But I love that story because she figured out, how do I get to somebody And she wasn't doing this in a manipulative manner. She was doing it in a a kind, loving manner. Guess who's the big influence in their life now? Mm -hmm. Grandma. Love it. How great is that? Yeah. But, you know, there is a blend. You know, when we talk about the blended family, well, a lot of people who work in that uh, world, in the parenting world, I hardly ever use the word blended family. And I, I realize there's a chapter in the book called The Blend. but. The blended family, a husband, a man and a woman fall in love, and then they expect all the kids to totally right. fall in love right. with each other. And then with the ex, I mean, not with the ex, but with the uh, one that they marry, that doesn't happen as easy. So you've got to work that carefully. A friend, Another friend of mine who has a son, uh, we ask, what, what does the uh, mother of the groom do? Because we have all girls. Well, you wear beige and you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> well, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Because if you do wear beige and you keep your mouth shut, eventually they'll come back to you. Mhm. I and it's about influencing, you know, be the cheerleader for them. Be mm-hmm. the, the babysitter. Be the person who, you know, comes by with that gift, like the Scar- Starbucks card or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if they don't live in the area, you know, be the one who sends them neat things. But don't preach and don't lecture. And, yeah. and you know, I think they'll come around. I think that's good advice. Uh, Dr. Jim Burns,
0: the author of the brand-new book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You have a chapter in your book on... Grandkids, mm. and I know that you love your grandkids. Oh, I do. Your grandson, I'm your granddaughter. About Are you, yeah, What? trust me you flood my Instagram with all your pictures and things like <laughs> right, that but right. but I think it's wonderful
1: I don't do any like meaningful stuff on my Instagram <laughs> this is terrible people can follow me and, uh-huh. and they'll not want to and but I show pictures of you know them swimming well and, pictures and, of them. and it's got
0: to be fun for you too uh, to have a grandson who's your namesake oh, oh my I'm goodness yeah. Yeah. yeah and it cracks me up too every time I see how much hair James oh, has. oh that kid has hair and I yeah, don't right so. well you did at one point I did uh, let, let's talk about the, the, the grand child relationship mm-hmm. because not every relationship with an adult child is bad obviously and But there's still things you have to navigate. And no one taught us how to be grandparents.
1: No, no. You know, I think it's the greatest legacy that we can have. And I I was talking with somebody. I was just speaking in Miami, you know, and somebody said, you know, we we moved here from Wisconsin. And uh, we do see our kids you know, once, maybe sometimes twice a year. Mm-hmm. But we decided we're kind of doing our own thing. So we're going to travel. We're going to do this. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you're missing mm-hmm. the chance to have a legacy. Yeah. So I think one of the greatest opportunities for grandparents is to have that legacy, whether it be a spiritual legacy. Uh, when you start looking at who influences kids and kids say, number one is mom, number two is dad, number three is grandma and grandpa. So you can you can have an incredible influence with with James. Charlotte's seventeen months, so it's gonna start happening. But with James, uh, you know, I mean I read through the children's Bible with him when he was little. Good and you. you know, he he loved that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's we're saddling up next to each other. I don't have to, you know, I can sneak some gelato. I'll just admit it. I've yeah. done a little bit of that for that kid. Uh-huh. You know, I can sneak some things to him as a as a dad. I, I need to be careful. I need to make sure that I'm doing what Christy and Steve want. Right. But at the same time, I can I can influence him in so many different ways. And Roger, I'll tell you, every day I pray for my kids, my mm-hmm. grandkids, and I pray that whatever anointing is in my life is transferred to James and transferred mm-hmm. to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And to do that, that means that. I want, to, I want to be actively involved in them. And the good news today is that even if grandparents are out of the house, away from their, their kids, um, maybe just by state by state or, you know, on the other side of the country or another part of the world, they can be in touch regularly. Yeah. You know, there's 70 million grandparents in the uh, in the United States. Wow. And unfortunately, only about 50 percent of them are really very actively involved in their grandkids' lives. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, oh, you're missing out on that. Yeah. yeah. And One of the things that I've seen just as a culture watcher now for the past eight years is the
0: influence that grandparents have is more essential now than when we were growing up in our grand... I mean, we could see our grandparents a couple times a year and it was not that big a deal. But now the the erosion of values Mm -hmm. in the culture, the things that used to get reinforced that don't, it's a lot of pressure on parents. And it's really almost more than just a mom and dad can yeah. handle. Grandma and grandpa really, if you are in the faith tradition that we are,
1: right. need to be present. Oh, I think you're right. I mean, what I my mom passed away when my kids were young, and my dad remarried a woman who I love and adore. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. now passed, too. Her name was Virginia. But she said every morning before she got out of bed, she prayed for my kids. Well, that almost brings tears to my eyes. Mm-hmm. So I figure we're a part of James and Charlotte's, and we'll probably have more, um, faith development issues. So what can we do to—we want to we be— the 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 ones who are 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 sending them the Bible. We want to be the ones who who take them to church. If our kid our kids go to church, but if they didn't, we would take them to church. Mm -hmm. We want to be the ones who pray for them um, and engage spiritually as well as other ways. I mean, I think I remember the I was we were at the beach one day and James was about two and I could see a little kid hitting a ball on a tee ball Mm. and I went my my goodness that kid's pretty good how and so I said the parents how old is he and he said oh it's amazing you know he's almost three. I bought I went on Amazon.com, yeah. whether what people think of Amazon, I bought a T ball and that kid had a T ball at two. And mm-hmm. he's an amazing hitter now. Nice. So part of that is I I don't care if he's an amazing hitter. I care that I get to hang out with him and he's really anxious to show me how good he's gotten since mm-hmm. he's, you know, been in Texas or whatever. Yeah. So those are the those are the great times that you can have. And you know, those are very I look back at even though I wasn't raised in the Christian world, but my grandparents had you know, and, and different ones uh, more important than others, but had really significant impact in my life. Part of it was because they remembered me and they didn't just give me, you know, socks and underwear for Christmas, but they mm-hmm. gave me fun things and mm-hmm. they were fun people. So what I want to do is be the party time grandpa, mm-hmm. which means when grandpa comes to town or when James comes into my present, I want to stop what I'm doing and and have a party. Yeah, And it doesn't have to be fancy, but that's what I want to be that kind of person because I actually had I watched my mom do that and I watched my grandma do that for me. Mm
0: -hmm. That's so important for us to remember as grandparents who are adults who have adult children Mm -hmm. is that whole continuum doesn't just stop because you have a lousy relationship with your kids or because they won't, you know, accept those values. We've got about 60 seconds left, Jim, in our time together. Talk to that parent right now who says, I don't understand my kid. We did everything right. At least we thought we did and he's just having a hard time she's just having a hard time moving into adulthood what's a good
1: first step well i think the first step is keep the relationship open i've met so many parents who are so devastated because it's not working kids are making poor choices but in the long run you're still the most important influence in their life and you'll have to you'll have to do the changing because you can't now parent them day to day you're like i said earlier you know two decades of your life We're about control, and now it's more about mentoring. But we do see them come back. The Bible is true. Train up a child in the way that you would have them live, and you've done that. In the end, they will come back. It doesn't say there won't be with some bumps and bruises. So, Mm. you know, be patient. Uh, and then watch God work.
0: That's a good reminder. I, it never occurred to me when I think of that Proverbs 22, 6 verse that when the child would, would not you know soon depart from it or will return to it, that they might not come back looking like they were that Revolutionary War guy, you know, with the bandana <laughs> thing, kind of walking with a limp, right. maybe a black eye and a fat lip right. going, okay, I'm back. Right, but uh, still your yeah, kid. Still your kid. Absolutely. Okay, Dr. Jim Burns, doing life with your adult children, keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jim, always great to have you in, great great to be with you roger and you just always do a great job and that concludes my revisiting a conversation i had a few years ago with dr jim burns of the homeward ministry talking about his then brand new book called doing life with your adult children keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out it's a game changer for parents and uh well for adult children as well. Um, and we've got six copies of the book we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the Bottom Line Crystal Stake in All Cumbers and we would love to give you a copy of this book. 800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the Bottom Line. On the other side of this break a preview of this week's National Crawford Roundtable podcast and some final thoughts on raising adult children coming up next as the bottom line continues My thanks again to Dr. Jim Burns for joining me in studio today here on The Bottom Line to talk about his book, Parenting Your Adult Children. Uh, it's it, that, that title should tell you everything you need to know. Uh, doing life with your adult children. Keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out is the name of the full name of the book. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have six copies of this book to give away. And my thanks to Cindy Ward and the outstanding team at the Homeward Ministries for making these copies available. 800-227-5278. the number to get you through to the bottom line and if you have parent and family questions if you are a grandparent now and you want to do a better job of helping your adult children raise your grandchildren I highly recommend the Homeward website that's homeward.com there's all sorts of resourcing there and you'll find a couple of podcasts that have my voice on it as well here's the thing you know we used to say when you're raising kids younger kids that it doesn't matter whether they're five or eight or 12 or 15 we were never their age because the culture changed so much and being a child growing up today is way different i mean it's not even comparison to when we were growing up but guess what parenting and grandparenting today has never been done like this before with the digital native tendencies that kids have the internet being everywhere with this being an amoral anti-christian culture It's tougher and tougher to be a parent or a grandparent in this day and age. But you know, here's the good news. When the Lord wrote basically the 23rd Psalm, the words of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And then we get to the part, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We never could have imagined that this is what it would look like, America in 2023, but it's where we are. Hold the Lord's hand. Don't try to get around it or over it or underneath it walk through it with him. That is the good news. And that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Rabbi Schneider is coming up next. For those who remain on the network, uh, we've got a special edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We're talking debt ceiling busting and Dodgers baseball. That's all coming up next as the bottom line continues.